Well, good morning, everyone. It is so, so good to see you here today, and I'm really, really excited to be bringing the word here today. It's been a while, actually, since I've preached here in Orleans. I, I think the last time I preached in Orleans was like back last summer, so it's been a long time. And I've noticed that we have so many new people coming to Life Center, and if you have been coming to Life Center in, let's say, one year or less, over the last one year or less. Can you just wave at me? Just just look around. Isn't this amazing? We're just so, so, so happy and so thrilled that you're here. And I want to begin today with some celebration because I love to celebrate. I love to celebrate what God is at work doing. And I encourage you today to get your sails up. Like, get your spiritual sails up because the wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing and he's already at work doing something in your heart and your life. And our job today and our heart today is to align to what it is that he's already at work doing. And I even uh, wore my sort of sailor fit for the, uh, for the occasion. This, I'm doing some spiritual sa sailing today. Got my sails up and we're going to trust the moving of the Holy Spirit in the house. Well, last Sunday, unbelievable, Easter Sunday, we had just an incredible, incredible time together at all three of our campuses. And I'm telling you, like, crazy breakthrough numbers. Numbers is not everything to us, but numbers is something. But here in Orleans, we had 1,800 people just on Easter Sunday. And I know you know, because maybe you didn't get a seat. There was like 100 people out in the lobby, over 100 people out in the lobby. It was so, so powerful. But we saw the same thing in Canada. Our Canada campus had over 500 people. We have never had over 500 people. And do you know that they're baptized today in Canada? 24 people, 24 people got baptized at our Kanata campus. Like there is revival that is happening amongst us and it isn't just about numbers. Like the Holy Spirit's at work and do you sense it? Do you feel it? Do you feel the anticipation? It isn't just about people coming. It's literally about this movement of the Holy Spirit and this awakening, this passion, this fire that's stirring inside of us. At our Cornwall campus, we had six water baptisms today, which is so beautiful. New people coming to faith and they had 145 people. Again, a record-breaking number on Easter Sunday. So that's just the Sunday, let alone the whole weekend. So it's really, really incredible what God is doing. And I had the awesome privilege back from last August to December to be out at the Canada campus and help them transition a new campus pastor. Pastor Mitch Pitt is out there now, and it is just going incredibly well. And then late earlier this year, from January to March, had the opportunity to lean into planning of heart conference and pulling a team of, you know, over a hundred women together to pull off a conference here for the ladies. And it really was just a continuation of the work of the Holy Spirit. And then we took a team, a bunch of our staff and a few volunteers, and we went to Vancouver and we did everything that we did here in Orleans and we did it in Vancouver. And it was amazing. Again, the Holy Spirit met with us in such a powerful way and you would have been so proud of our staff and our volunteers you would have been so proud to see them in action like just going and just pouring life into women just literally prophesying over them praying for them loving on them walking alongside like it was so powerful and so beautiful we are certainly blessed here at Life Center and listen you are a part of Life Center and that means it's a call for 
all of us to be bringers of life wherever we go. That's what we do. We bring life wherever we go. And it is so beautiful to see in all of these different contexts. So that's just a little update of what is going on. You know what, I am also gonna mention that you, I, I'm gonna ask for some prayer for Pastor Jason and my children because I'm actually leaving this week to go on a trip. My mom turned 70 this year and it was her dream to go on a trip with her daughters. She, there's three of us, so my mom and my sisters and I are going on a trip this week and we're leaving the family and I'm not sure what they're gonna eat. I really don't know. So please be in prayer for them. If Jay's looking a little skinny over the next couple of weeks. It's probably because they're not eating, but I, I think they'll be fine. Well, we're starting a brand new series today, and it's called Engage Purpose. And purpose is one of the subjects I like love to talk about. Like I, it's one of my favorite topics to talk about. I actually do believe that God has given me a purpose to help people discover their purpose. It's it's a part of just weaved into everything that I love. I love talking about spiritual gifts. I love talking about these things, and so I'm excited to be able to open up this series today. But this is a continuation of something that we've been leaning into all year long. And if you've been tracking with us, you know that we've been talking about what it means to be resilient disciples, resilient followers of Jesus. Because our heart as pastors and leaders is that not just that you would come to church, not just that you would listen to a message, but that you would become a resilient follower of Jesus, that when the storms and the tests and the trials and the difficulties of life come your way, that you are anchored into something greater than your circumstance, that you're not tossed to and fro by your circumstance, by the winds of life and what is happening to you, but you are anchored to something deeper, that as these trials come, your identity and Christ stays firm. Because how many know that in the season ahead, in the season we're in now and the season ahead, trial is coming. Persecution is going to come to the church. And what's going to happen when we go into those tested spaces? Are we going to stand and anchor deeper or are we going to be tossed to and fro? And resilient disciples, they, they have these common characteristics. The first one we talked about was all the way back in the fall was resilient disciples trust scripture. That means that this book, they trusted over everything else. They trusted over the voices that are telling them what to do. They trusted over what YouTube says. They trusted over the books they're reading. They trust scripture over everything else. It is, it has authority and it, it supersedes our feelings. And so this is one of the characteristics of resilient disciples. Resilient disciples love Jesus. That means Jesus is over everything. Jesus comes first. We put him in first place, and that's what resilient disciples do. Resilient disciples engage meaningful relationships, and Pastor Jason unpacked that series uh, just in March in such a brilliant way, and I would just like to clarify something. Uh, that he said one of the Sundays that he said that I had said to him, you should probably talk about unhealthy relationships because you have more experience with that. I did not say that to him, although I wish I did because that's funny, but I, I didn't say that to him, but that was a good one. I loved it. And so this uh, month we're going to be going through Engage Purpose and last we're going to finish off with Live Counter Cultural Mission.
And so I'm excited to lean into this today. Now, um, Noah, can you come up here for a second? I know Noah's like, what? <laughs> just come up here on the stage for one second. I just have a little word for you, but also I noticed this sweater that you're wearing today. And I'd like you just to turn around and show everybody what your sweater says. Look at what this sweater says. Made on purpose for a purpose. Wow. Made on purpose for a purpose. And Noah, I believe that actually, as strange as this sounds, God told you to wear this sweater today. Whether you realize it or not, it was just at the top of your laundry. But because he has, he has a word for you. He has a word for you about your call and your purpose. And the word is this, that he sees you. Noah, God sees you. And I know that you have questions, and I know there's some things on your heart and you've overcome some struggles, but God is with you in the midst. And whether there are concerns about your future or concerns about how God is going to use your life, he is going to use your life. That God has called you before you were even born, that you are actually his idea, not just the idea of your parents or your family. And you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this, and God wants to use your life for his glory. And he sees you in that place. And I believe actually that God has given you eyes to see things that other people don't see. And sometimes when you say what it is that you see, other people won't understand it or know why you're so passionate or excited about it. But don't get discouraged in that. Just let God speak to you. And I just encourage you to keep going deeper in your relationship with him. And what he has planned for you will become more and more clear in the days to come. So bless you. Thank you for wearing that sweater. I love it. I love it. Honestly, it is my heart's desire today that each and every one of us would be supernaturally transformed. That that, are not, that is not just words to say, but we want each of you to have a personal transformation of the Holy Spirit in the service today because he is already at work in your heart and in your life. And some of you today are going to give your life to Christ for the first time. There's going to be something that clicks and you're going to say, I want to follow Jesus. This Jesus I'm witnessing from these baptismal candidates, this, this Jesus that I'm hearing about, this Jesus that I'm seeing in this space. I, I want to respond to that. And some of you are going to give your life to Jesus today. Some of you are going to get a revelation about your call and your purpose. Something is just going to settle into your identity and settle into your spirit about how God's wired you and what he's called you to do. For some of you today, you're going to be set free from a limiting mindset that has been holding you back from stepping full on into the purposes that God has for you. And some of you today will be strengthened and equipped for that which you don't know that God has already prepared for for you to walk in, but you don't know what it is. And so in order for that to happen, you and I need to do something together. We need to activate our hearts and our spirits and come into alignment with what the Holy Spirit is at work doing. It's not going to come because I preach a message or I have some words. No, as preachers, it is our job to actually make room for the Holy Spirit, to actually put the weight of God's presence on the Spirit who is at work in this place and to give him room and space to move. So can I I just encourage you to join me in an activation prayer together right now. And if you agree with this, I just encourage you just to repeat this back and, and just engage this in your spirit today. Just engage it in an intentional way. Say, Holy Spirit, would you align our hearts to what you are at work doing? Give us what we need, not what we want. Would you enable us to see what you're doing and hear what you're saying? 
Would you awaken fresh empowerment to walk in your purpose and calling? Holy Spirit, speak, we pray. And I just want you to quiet yourself before him right in this space. Just close your eyes, just rest your body. Just remove any distractions that are coming to your mind. Just listen. And now we're going to trust that the Holy Spirit is here and that he's going to speak to your life. Now, you and I both know that there is more information than ever before available to us on the subject of purpose, God's purpose for our life. And we can go to many books and many resources and many voices in this regard. But how many would agree that there is also more confusion around this subject than maybe ever before? And there is no question that our purpose and our call is contested space. It's a, it's a place where both God is at work trying to bring clarity, trying to clarify some things, and the enemy is at work at the same time working to bring confusion and working to disqualify us from stepping out in that which we sense God is calling us to do. And we need to remember that our enemy is a liar that he's only capable of lies and he actually takes what could be true and manipulates it into a lie to bring confusion to our calling and our purpose but also to bring confusion to our identity and that's where it starts first confusion comes in our identity in Christ and we can't even get to the place where we can begin to step out in the purposes and the calling that God has for us and often what he does and kind of where he begins is he begins in telling us that you have no purpose at all that that literally you don't have a special purpose that God has not called you for something for anything and that's the place we land and often that comes for many, many reasons, all different reasons, because we all come from different experiences. And for me, this contested space began in my life in, an, in a belief or an identity that I had anchored to that I would imagine started when I was a young girl. And, and this is what this identity or this voice would say to me, you don't have a purpose because you're not special. You don't really have any special skills or talents or qualities, therefore you don't really have anything to offer God. And I would look around, like I grew up in church and I would look around and I would see people with, that were so talented, that had so many gifts and so many ways that they could be used by God. And, and, and I, would, I would hear this voice in my head and I would say, wow, it's true, it's right. I don't have anything to offer God. And yet here God was calling me, calling me into different things that I felt like I didn't have the skills to step into. For example, when we were in our early 20s, Jason and I, we felt a call to come into, to step into full-time ministry. And I remember saying to God, I don't think that I can be in full-time ministry. I don't think I can be the wife of a pastor because I don't play the piano and I don't sing. <laughs> like, 
have you ever met a pastor's wife that doesn't play the piano or doesn't sing? Like they all do. They all do, except, except my, my mentor, the one who went before me, Pastor Joyce, doesn't play the piano or sing either. So if she could do it, then maybe I could do it too. I love that so much. I love that. And then God said, okay, I want you to lead Life Center. What? You want us to lead Life Center? But I don't even feel like I have the necessary leadership skills to do that. You want us to play at campuses? How do you even plant a campus? What does that even mean? We've never done anything like that before. You want me to gather women together? But I don't have the right set of skills for that. Like I'm not overly administrative. I'm not that great of a speaker. I don't have what it takes. Lord, you want me to launch an online discipleship? That sounds awesome. How do I do that? I've never built a website. I'm not technical in any way. I don't know how to do this. And even now, these sort of disqualifying thoughts run through my head. Although I have this other side to my personality that's like, loves a challenge. And even if I don't know how to do it, I'm like, okay, I'll try. I, I have no idea how to do it, but I'll try. But it still runs through my head from time to time. These disqualifying thoughts, like I'm not special and I don't have the right skills. And the hard part about some of these identity statements, these things we speak over ourselves, is sometimes they are based in some form of truth, some form of like living proof that we've lived out, some lived experience that again makes us believe this way. But if we remember that this is contested space, then we know that this is a space where we need to actually invite the Holy Spirit in to bring Jesus, who is the way he shows us the direction and the way to go. He is the truth. He is the truth above even my lived experience. And he is the life. Everything that he pours into us is life-giving and gives us life. And he will bring the ultimate truth to our purpose and what God has called us to do. And you know what I have discovered over time? that whether I am special or talented or particularly skilled or whether I know how to do something or not, it's actually not relevant to God. It, it actually is not relevant to what it is that he's called me to do. Now, in some cases, yes, is he gonna call you and ask you to do something you have a skill to do? Yes, of course, sometimes. But if you don't, that is not a problem for God. And the fact is, the truth that I am not special or particularly talented has actually become a superpower because I have no choice but to completely rely on the Holy Spirit and to rely on other people to do what it is that God has told me to do. If I don't have what it takes, that's okay because I'm filled with a higher power, a power that's so much greater than myself. And I am a part of the body of Christ, the beautiful body of Christ whom together we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And so if this is true for me, this is true for you. And this is a life-changing, life-altering revelation. So where is this place of contested space in your life, the battle for ultimate truth when it comes to your purpose? Are you like Gideon? Are you hiding? God has told you to do something, but you're hiding behind the baggage. You're hiding out of fear. You're like, are you kidding me? I'm the lowest in my family. I'm the worst person you could possibly ask to do that. Are you hiding out of fear? Are you like Moses? Do you feel inadequate for the task at hand? Inadequate in every way, actually begging God, choose someone else. Ask 
ask my brother to go and do that. My brother could do so much better. Are you like Moses, just saying, no, not me, not me? Do you find yourself like Joseph, maybe with so many dreams, so many dreams and possibilities, yet feeling like you're captive, feeling like you're held captive, almost like in a prison, maybe even at the result of the hands of what someone else has done to you? Are you like Jacob, filled with favor, everything you touch seems to flourish, yet it has come through deceitful or selfish means, and you're struggling to know whether God is really with you. Or maybe today you're like Rahab, with a sordid past, like if anyone knew my past, if anyone knew what I've done, if anyone knew what I was a part of, filled with shame unsure if God could ever use you for his purposes. You see, the Bible, it's filled with men and women like us who've had to contend for their God-given purpose. And their stories are our stories. And I wanna establish something here today that first and foremost, you are called. And yes, I'm talking to you, you are called. And I want you to turn to the person beside you and say, you are called. And that's really easy to do, but now I want you to turn to the person beside you and say, I am called. I want you to just own this. I want you to just own this identity because this isn't me telling you this. This doesn't come from me. This comes from this word, this ultimate truth, this trusting of scripture that we anchor our life into. And I'm gonna speak a few scriptures that speak about calling. And for some of you here today, as the words of scripture, remember they're living and active, they're alive. These words are gonna go right into your spirit for some of you today. And you're gonna receive it and you're gonna realize, wow, I actually am called. Listen to these verses. Holy Spirit, would you open our ears as we read your word? 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. There you go. I'm not special. God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 2 Timothy 1.10, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. So we've been called to live a holy life. And I love this, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. God, thank you for your grace. 1 Corinthians 7.17, nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. Have you ever thought of your situation as an assignment from God? That maybe God is at work right in the midst of your situation right now. What could he be at work doing? What could the Holy Spirit have for you to step into right in the midst of your situation? 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And Noah, that describes you perfectly. You've, you're using the gifts that God has given you to serve other people, and I love seeing how diligently and faithfully you serve the body of Christ. So now that we have established that you are called, you are called, what we wanna dive into today is talking about our primary and our secondary calling. You see, each of us has a primary calling, and this call is the same for all of us. It's to know God and to be known by him. It's a call of being. It's a call to be with Jesus, to spend time with Jesus, to become more like Jesus. But each one of us 
has a secondary call, and that is a little bit more unique based on our spiritual gifts, how we're wired, our strengths, our acquired skills, our life experience. All of these things come together, and God begins to use us for his purposes, and those are unique for each of us. Now, what happens when we reverse the order of God's primary and secondary call? Well, let's go back to the men and the women of the Bible. Gideon was called to lead his people in defeating the Midianites. Moses was called by God to lead the children of Israel to a new home. Joseph was called by God to bring provision and restoration to his family and to save many lives. Rahab was called to protect Joshua and Caleb so that they could defeat Jericho. God called Esther to turn the heart of the king towards God's people. God called Peter to bring the gospel to the Jewish people. And Paul was called by God to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And so while their secondary callings were all very different, they were all called specifically to do something different, their primary call was all identical, to know God and to reflect him well in a lost and broken world. And so if each of these men and women of God were to give a master class, which focused on their secondary specific call, it would be any wonder why there would be a lot of confusion. I mean, think about Rahab and what she experienced in the defeating of Jericho. And imagine if she put an online course, seven ways to defeat your enemy, and it included trumpets and marching and screaming. And listen, don't do that, guys. Don't go march around places that you want to defeat or own. You, th this is not the way. This is not the way. Yet if you thought about each of these men and women of God, and if they did a masterclass on their primary calling, guess what would happen? some clarity would come. Now, clarity does not reduce the challenge, but it does narrow our focus. It gives us a space to lean into right away. You see, first we're called to be with Jesus. First we're called to someone, and then we're called to something. We're called to become like Jesus, and then to do what Jesus did in the world with each of our unique spiritual gifts, acquired skills, natural abilities, and life experience. You know, we place way too much weight in telling people to be like us, do it the way that I did it, and not nearly enough on our shared journeys of becoming more like Jesus. And I love how the Apostle Paul in the Church of Galatia talked about calling in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. He said this, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul met Jesus, and in meeting Jesus, changed the direction of his life. This was a singular gift of grace, a supernatural gift that came to him. And you know, church, I think for a long time, we've spent a lot of energy and a lot of effort teaching and talking about what you need to do to follow Jesus. But I don't know if you can sense it, or I don't know if you can feel it, but there is 
a change that is coming in the body of Christ. And I, and I hear it all over the world, not, not just here at Life Center. Yes, we're seeing it across all of our campuses, but there's, there's this invitation and there's this alignment that's coming with what the Holy Spirit is already at work doing, where, where actually the weight is coming off the preacher, the weight is coming off the platform, and it's literally being placed on the work of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit that is happening inside of each and every one of you, and it's beautiful to see, and it's powerful, and I think it's part of what God is doing in the world right now, this invitation into intimacy and being with Jesus. You see, there's many, many paths to come to salvation, but there's only one person through which we must be saved, and that is Jesus. It's the person of Jesus, the bread of life, the light of the world, the singular door, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life. You see, Paul met Jesus, and after meeting Jesus, the course of his life changed completely. The direction of his life moved completely. And listen to what Paul does when he gives his testimony as we continue reading from Galatians. He says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. Man, if there's one thing that could potentially disqualify someone from being a preacher, I'd say that might be it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. But he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. Did you know that you have been set apart before you were born? That you have been called by his grace? This is profound for each and every one of us. In order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And listen to what he did. Listen to what Paul did. He said, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. You see, to be like Jesus, Paul privately spends time with Jesus. This is so crucial. Our call to be with God, our call to be with Jesus must be primary and as deep, or I would say even deeper than our call to do for God. Now listen, I don't want to pit one against the other, okay? We need both. Faith without works is dead. We absolutely must do things for God. But you and I don't have a problem on the doing side. This is a space we lean into so easily, but it's this being place where God wants to go so deep inside of us. And there's these two temptations that each and every one of us face that we stop after the decision. We make a decision for, for God. We say yes to a plan. We say yes to a purpose. We say yes to what God wants us to do. We say yes to come into faith. And then we stop growing we move right into doing. We move right into doing. Luke 6 says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
you know what this means? There's no shortcuts for us. What is inside of us is going to come out. When you're pressed and bad fruit comes out, this is a space we want to invite the Holy Spirit to begin to work and to begin to heal. I don't know about you, but when I'm pressed and bad fruit comes out, I often go into overdue mode. I want to make up for what I have done. But what if, just what if, every day, and just as it's happening, not like in your morning prayers or your evening prayers, but literally as it's happening, bad fruit shows up, we just stop. We say, God, I'm so sorry I got angry. I'm so sorry for my attitude. God, I'm so sorry for how I've hindered your work in that situation. Would you help me, Holy Spirit? Imagine if we just lived out like that, how powerful that could be for each and every one of our lives. We want to abide in him. And that's what it means to be with Jesus. That in everything we do and wherever we go, that we bring him with us. That we invite the Holy Spirit to help us. That we partner with what he is already at work doing. Because he wants to redeem your bad and he wants to glorify God in your good. He wants to work in all things, in every situation that you find yourself. You see, decisions, they lead to lifelong development. And from our Christ-like development, then we step into doing. And this is what it's all about. We don't want to stop at decisions. We want to let Christ help us to develop into becoming more like Jesus. And this is what Paul modeled for us so beautifully. Listen as we keep reading. Then after three years, three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Three years, Paul went to be with Jesus. He had an encounter with Jesus. He had a revelation of Jesus that didn't come from man's words. It came from the Holy Spirit. Oh God, would you move amongst us? Would you move amongst us and bring a revelation of who you are in people's bedrooms, in people's dreams, not even in church, just out in the world, everywhere that we go. That would be our heart's desire. And then we would go into a place of learning how to be more like Jesus, learning how to be with Jesus. You know, for some of you here today, God is actually calling you into a season of hiddenness, a season of being with him so that he can root and anchor your identity into a place that then as you begin to serve and as you begin to do, you do so with all the effectiveness of the empowerment of the spirit. Don't shortcut what it is that he wants to do because for every single one of us here today, the Holy Spirit is inviting us into deeper intimacy, a closer walk, a more reliant walk with God in everything that we do. Because that is our primary call. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul meets with Jesus. He becomes like Jesus by being with Jesus. And then after becoming like Jesus, he uses his spiritual gifts, acquired skills, and life experience to bring Jesus to a lost and broken world, and God is glorified. Oh Lord, that that would be our story too. 
And his temptation is the same as ours, and it's to stop at a decision or to just go and live from doing. And both of these things will hinder the fullness of what God really wants to do and what is possible. You see, if you focus on your primary call, God will take care of your secondary one. But if you focus exclusively on what is my unique call to the world, what have I been created to do? What is my unique calling? You're going to miss the gifts that are found as you lean into being with Jesus. You see, if Jesus is not enough, then you're always going to be wanting for something. But if Jesus is all you need, then you will never want for anything. Remember, this clarity doesn't reduce the challenge. This is not easy, but it does narrow a focus for us, and this is our choice today. We abide in Christ, or we try to do life apart from Christ in our own strength. And as we close today, I just encourage you to keep your heart open. Keep those sails up. Keep listening for the Holy Spirit to speak and draw and call and invite you. And I want you just to pray this with me one more time. Would you say, Holy Spirit, speak to me about my primary purpose to be with you, to be with Jesus. Amen. As we close today, I want to read one more scripture over you. And I want to read it to you as a word. And I want you just to open your hands and receive it like a gift. Because these are the words of Jesus. And this book is living and active. Let this word go right into your spirit today. And it's from John 15, verses 4 to 5. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We receive that. If you're taking notes today, there's two questions that I want to leave you with as a point of reflection over the next week. And I believe you can get these questions as well if you download the small group guidelines for today's message. Um, the first one is, beyond decision, where do you just need to be with Jesus? Where do you just need to be with Jesus? Where is he inviting you and calling you to be with him? And the second one is this, are you living from doing or out of the overflow of being? Are you living from doing or out of the overflow of being? As you reflect on these things, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. He's with you. He's at work in your life and your story. And thank you so much for receiving this message today. May the Holy Spirit continue the work that he has started. Pastor Rhonda.